Hey guys, it's Betsy with Faith and Flip Flops. Remember in October, we are hearing domestic violence survivor stories. So they're not going to be so fun and they're not going to make you laugh, but they will bring awareness to our flock. I ask that you be bold in sharing these stories because these survivors went beyond bold to open up their wounds to share with us. Together, we can make steps towards awareness and towards change. Together, we can save lives. And now, Bob's story, called Bob's Will. My name is Bob, and this is my story of domestic violence. I met my abuser when I was 18 years old. There were signs of violence towards other people and alcoholism, but I think I was either too young or too naive to think I was in danger. There was never a build-up to my abuse. There was no verbal abuse, no major signs of jealousy, no controlling behavior, just a lot of drinking. The first time he ever hit me, we were arguing over a dress. I was already several months pregnant and growing out of my clothes. I had bought myself a cute little sundress for an upcoming trip to the beach. I had spent $50 on it, which at that time was a lot of money to me. I found the bag shoved in the corner of the room but no dress. We started arguing over what he had done with the dress, and he slapped me in the face. Before that moment, I had never been hit by a man, not even my daddy. My surprise turned to anger, and pretty soon our bedroom looked like a scene from the Jerry Springer show. He later apologized, and I assumed he realized that I was not going to put up with that type of behavior, and it wouldn't happen again. I should have left that very second and never looked back, but hindsight is always 2020. I made the common mistake that those of us who have children with our abusers make. I assumed I was already trapped. Somewhere along the line, the drinking became too much for me, and I realized that he was an alcoholic. We split up, and I moved home with my parents. That's when the behavior started to escalate. There were lots of phone calls at all times of the night, showing up wherever I was, but I assumed it was because he was drunk. He was unraveling, and I was not sure how to handle it. As soon as I had the baby, though, it was going to get worse, way worse. The second time he hit me, our son was a week old. He wasn't welcomed at my parents' home, and his mom wanted to see the baby. My best friend came to get me and take the baby over to his house. We made a stop on the way there, but by the time we got to his house, he was drunk and furious that we had taken too long. Instead of arguing, I decided to leave. This angered him even more. He physically attacked me while I was holding our son and then grabbed the baby out of my arms and ran down the street with him. This time, I decided I had enough and called the police. When they arrived, they asked, did he hit me? I told them all that had happened. They then asked if I had hit him back, and I told them, well, probably. They told me that I could press charges against him and have him arrested, but I would also be arrested and DSS would come get my baby. Needless to say, I did not want DSS taking my baby, so I did not press charges. 
I say this not because I blame the police, they were following their job, but I say this because there is a stigma against the victims that they should have done more. That is not always true. Sometimes our only choices were to fight back or call the police, but most of the time, I had to fight back to save my life. I left that night feeling totally defeated and alone and not knowing who could or would help. I wish that I could tell you when the third or fourth time he hit me was, but they all run together. I had his son, which made him think he somehow owned me, that I belonged to him. By this point, he was basically stalking me, my friends, and my family. He would relentlessly call my home and job. At home, I would have to take the phone off the hook, and if we stopped answering the phone at work, he would just show up. I had to instruct everyone to call the police if they saw him, which was insanely humiliating. He would find me wherever I was. It was like starring in a bad Lifetime movie. I moved from my parents' home into my own apartment, and he found me within weeks. He would call me and tell me how he was going to shoot me in the back while I was going up the stairs to my apartment. I started calling the police and getting incident reports to document so that if I was killed, they would know who did it. I was 19 years old and making a will so my son would be safe with my parents when he killed me. One day, after repeatedly calling my job, trying to talk to me, he decided to go to our son's daycare and try to kidnap him. This time, the police recommended a restraining order. We went to court, and I was turned down. Two days later, he showed up at my job and attacked me. Back to court we went, and I was finally granted a restraining order. I wish I could say that this piece of paper saved my life, but it did not. With this piece of paper, he should have been arrested for criminal domestic violence and violating a restraining order every time I called for help. This piece of paper should have been taken more seriously. With this piece of paper, I thought I was safe. 21 years ago, criminal domestic violence was a misdemeanor in the state of South Carolina. 21 years ago, the offender could be arrested three times for CDV before they ever faced a one-year sentence. 21 years ago, it took me nine months for that to happen. Not only did it feel like I was in a fight for my life, but I felt like I was in a fight with the judicial system. I have no idea how many times I called 911 or how many hearings I went to, but it was a lot, and I thought it would never end. I honestly don't even remember the first time he was finally arrested. I think it was the time I was granted my restraining order. The second and third time happened within one weekend. I was so happy. I thought, okay, I'm finally going to have peace. I went to his hearing and the judge, a woman at that, decided to run his second and third offenses concurrent because it happened in the same weekend. Two arrests, same weekend. He went to jail, bailed out, came to my house, attacked me again, went back to jail, and she decided to count it as one offense. Still, three arrests, one offense. I could not believe what I was hearing. All this did was give him time to plan his third offense. He used to tell me it was going to be the best one. I'm still not comfortable sharing the details, and it was not pleasant. 
The easiest, most blunt way for me to say it is that he raped me at gunpoint with my nine-month-old baby in the bed with me. It is something I will never forget or truly get over. But the old saying is true. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I tell my story not only to help someone in the same position, but to raise awareness. I did everything I knew to do and was told to do, and the system still failed me. 21 years later, I see it fail others in the same position, and it is sickening. Every person that finds themselves in this situation will not handle it in the same way. We have to handle it in the way that fits us best at that time. Be there, be patient, be helpful, but do not be judgmental. If you find yourself watching a friend that fights this battle, fight it with them. You truly never know what someone is going through or has been through in their lifetime. Some of us simply carry the burdens better than others.